Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Driving Theology. Hello, hello, hello. It's a little bit high, maybe. Turn it down just a tad. Yeah, so my name's Mike, and uh, it is a rainy July morning. What is today? I suppose it's July 6th, maybe? Sorry, couldn't find my travel cup, so I've got to sit this mug down to where it's not going to be a nuisance too much. And I'm not even drinking coffee this morning, if you can believe it. We ran out, so I am drinking chai. Chai with a little bit of sugar that I made on the stovetop this morning. Yeah, chai's, uh, of course, uh, a tea from the, uh, what would you call it? Of course, it's India. It's also in Thailand. <clears throat> they have chai thai, uh, chai, thai chai, thai chai. Chai is just a word for tea, apparently. Um, so to say chai tea is just a little bit redundant. Um, kind of like saying soda pop. <laughs> uh, anyway, so. Um, Yep, it is a rainy day. We are in the middle of the rainy season now. Haven't been able to mountain bike for a week, which really stinks. Um, but got it a lot in that last week before the rain hit, which was really good. Um, so hopefully, to, hopefully gonna be able to get to the gym or something else so that I can uh, kind of maintain my uh, maintain my exercise trajectory which was, which was trending in the right direction finally uh, <clears throat> I might do some kayaking this week Let's see how that works out and I'm gonna turn the air conditioning because it is really humid Whew. really humid here in the rainy season although not hot so it's about 23 degrees Something tells me that's probably in the 80s, something like that. But the humidity, I'm sure, is right up there in the 90s um, today, something like that. So it feels much hotter than it is. Uh, yeah, oh, the air conditioning feels good. Yeah. Actually slept with air conditioning last night for the first time, well, actually second time this year. It's just too humid. I have it on real cold, but just trying to dry the air a bit. When you get this this much humidity all in one time of the year, and you already live in a fairly humid country, uh, things can tend to mold and get moldy. And uh, yeah, air conditioner is a good way to take the uh, take some of that moisture out of the air. It's really about the only way this time of year, unless you happen to have dry air outside. Then you open up your windows and let nature do its work. 
Man, I really can't think of much that's uh, gone on theologically. You know, we of course there's another another short post on Facebook that I um, that I shared uh, that has gotten a little bit of traction the last couple of days, um, and it talks about. Uh, Disney princess theology <laughs> which is the first time I had heard it put that way uh, uh, actually it's the first time I've really heard this concept although it's immediately familiar to me as soon as I heard it sorry I gotta drink this chai so the idea is this anytime we see a story uh, a, a normal like a typical story say a uh, you know, for example, a, a Disney, Disney princess movie. Um, so let's take Rapunzel. Okay. So Rapunzel is... No, Rapunzel is probably not the best one. Snow White may be better. Although Snow White also is kind of problematic, but anyway... The idea is that people tend to see themselves as the protagonist in every movie. Okay, so when you watch uh, a, a movie, you know, with, with heroes and whatnot, you tend to see yourself as the hero, uh, which usually means as the victim, right? Sometimes as a victim. Take Batman, for example. Batman was a victim of crime. And even though he's he's wealthy, uh, he was a victim of violent crime. And that's what uh, made him who he was, right? And so we tend to see ourselves as, as Batman uh, in the story, not the Joker, right? Uh, we tend to see ourselves as the good guy, not the bad guy. And that, that's probably a common common thing across most people right no matter who you are it's probably how you see yourself if you are to enjoy that movie because especially in the West we like for our bad go bad guys to get what's coming to them uh, in the end and so if you're gonna enjoy the movie then you need to see yourself as a protagonist uh, otherwise, you see yourself as, you know, as something else. And what this quote is from, and I'm sorry, I, I didn't recognize the quoter, uh, the person who actually wrote this. I didn't recognize the person who came up with this idea of Disney princess theology. Um, it's a especially provocative way to put this point. I think you could have made the point. Uh, in a, in a much better way, but this, this I think, really helped raise a lot of eyebrows. His point was that white Christians, white Christianity as a whole, tends to see themselves in the biblical narrative as uh, the apostles, as the people of Israel, as the, as the heroes, right, uh, and the victims, if you will. And we don't tend to see ourselves as Babylon or Assyria uh, or Egypt 
Rome, right? We don't see ourselves as the oppressors. We see ourselves as the, as the oppressed. And this, this tendency has done quite a few things uh, to our theology. And one of them is, okay, I'm expounding now. This is past the quote. Um, it's kind of past the quote. But basically, it's allowed us to see America as an extension of Israel. Okay? Uh, that, that though Israel were the first chosen people, now Americans have become the chosen people. Um, that's, that's one thing. Uh, another thing it has done, well, that's kind of the main thing, isn't it? Well, let's talk about that for a minute. I can't remember the other point I had right now, but yeah, so it's, it's, it's made Americans, um, identify with, identify being American as the same way as being Hebrew. Uh, or being one of the apostles, right? Being one of the followers of Jesus. When in fact, American Christianity has rose so much in power that it is really now a wing of empire, if not the empire itself. Okay, it's become, it's become Egypt, not the Israel slaves, right? And so what the, now this is back to the original post. What this does is allows us to kind of gloss over the fact that we enslaved millions of Africans as well as Native Americans uh, and massacred many more, right? And not only did we enslave them, we enslaved them in, in ways that were much worse than slavery we find in the Bible, uh, except maybe Egypt, and that's debatable. I don't know, you know, Egyptian slavery was, of course, bad, um, but I'm not sure it was as bad as, you know, what was going on uh, in America in the 1617, 1800s. And not only that, even after slavery was officially abolished uh, American Christians because of the power that they had found ways to continue to profit and and marginalize uh, African Americans as well as Native Indians uh, Native Americans all the way through uh, up to the present day right and so what America fails to see is that Actually, American Christianity is at least an arm of Babylon, right? Babylon, uh, Babylon is wielding us uh, and and doing its bidding through the largely white Christian church. <clears throat> uh, which is a very provocative accusation, right? I mean, it's people are not going to take that, you know, sitting down. Uh, but I, I know that what people are not going to do is entertain the, the idea that it might be true. Right? <clears throat> Excuse me. And, you know, I've, I've been talking about this for a while. Um, and, and much of it's because of Brian Zond, uh, an author from the States 
who has seen through this ruse and is doing everything he can uh, to not be a part of of Babylon, to not be a part of empire or the systems of the world or the principalities and powers or whatever else you know the Bible calls this phenomenon. But basically, it's the idea that the world is after a certain something, and it wants to get it a certain way, and that is not the way of Jesus, that is not the way of the kingdom of heaven. What is happening today is the church is professing to follow Christ while trying to follow Christ by using the system of the world. And so failing miserably of following Christ, but, but succeeding in serving Babylon the Great. Um, course it's a big provocative accusation I get that like it's hard to swallow um, now <clears throat> what happened is that a friend of mine uh, David who I love very much and respect uh, but I'm afraid that, that David is is kind of trapped in this mentality he's he's held by this mentality that that America and American Christianity um, is the Dis Disney princess in the story. He's, he's, he's got rose-colored glasses. He doesn't see that, that evangelicalism, by and large, and not just evangelicalism, uh, is now professing to play for one side, but actually actually playing for the other, right? They're like the double agent. Um, and, and granted, most of us didn't know, right? We had no idea. It's <clears throat> because we don't know doesn't make it untrue. To me, there's evidence, right? It's not, it's not just it's not just that, um, where do I put this? There, there's, there's evidence, right? Uh, all you need to do is hold up uh, people to, I want to say it's Matthew 26, the sheep and the goats. Hold, hold Christians up to that story and then up to the fruits of the Spirit. And then throw in 1 Corinthians 13 just for kicks. Right? Love is patient. Love is kind. Love keeps no record of wrongdoing. Right? Love doesn't boast. All you have to do is hold American Christianity up to these three things to realize that, hey, American Christianity does not look at all like what Jesus and Paul believed that the kingdom of heaven would look like, right? <laughs> it's, it's, it's pretty simple, right? 
All you gotta do is hold it up. That doesn't mean that there aren't good people, right? There aren't good individuals, but as a movement, you have to just kind of throw up your hands and say, yeah, that's, that's, that's rotten to the core. It's gone bad. It's going in the wrong direction for all the wrong reasons. Uh, and it's off track. The whole movement is backslid. And so now the, you know, the recovery, the recovery of, of true believers in Jesus needs to begin in earnest, right? We need to, we need to have a recovery plan. Uh, and not just for the American church, really for institutionalized religion everywhere, right? There needs to be a plan in place. Uh, just in case uh, you want a few, you know, few things to nibble on, uh, maybe this, this idea is new to you, uh, go back and, uh, you know, learn, learn about Constantine, the emperor who institutionalized Christianity and made it the national religion of Rome. And from that point on, through Augustine and, and, and all the popes, uh, and into um, the Reformation, of course, through the Crusades. You see this really well in the Crusades. Uh, you see this through almost every nation in Europe uh, and into the, the, you know, the Reformation uh, with Luther and Calvin. You see that time and time again, <clears throat> Uh, we find ourselves shackled to the the engine of government, right? The engine of, of power. And every time that that's happened, it's gone off the rails. Now, I, I believe that there have been true believers despite all this all along. That there have been people that, despite all of this going on in the big picture, uh, have not failed to follow Jesus in their everyday lives. Um, th there are, of course, people uh, everywhere who continue to live sacrificial lives of mercy and grace and love uh, and, and affect those around them in, in positive ways. Um, but institutionalized religion has become a monstrosity it seems to me to be unstoppable. It's just, it's just going in one direction, and I don't think it can be stopped. And I think it's going to destroy itself uh, eventually. Uh, I don't think you're going to see. I don't see how. I, mean, I hope, right? I hope for that, but I don't think you'll see a repentance. Uh, I think you'll see that. Um, yeah, it's it's just too big to be stopped. It's too big to fail, as they say, although I think it will fail. Uh, yeah, it's, there, there is so much, mm, 
You know, I'd like to think it's just tribalism, but I think it's more sinister than that. I think there's there's brainwashing that's gone on. Uh, that a lot of the ways that that religion has gone toward is is uh, is probably working through psychological and, and and darker ways to to kind of enslave people to this ideology of uh, nation and God, right? God and country. Um, so, yeah. I, I really wish people could, yeah. Mm. You know, and one, one of the things that is helping me to see this more and more is that I'm listening to non-Christians about what they feel like, you know, they, their impression of church. Not church so much as religion, the Christian religion. What do they think of Christians? I think most Christians have been far too protective and nowhere near critical enough uh, to keep Christianity going in a Jesus direction. <clears throat> so yeah, I don't know what the answer is. It's, it's such a problem. Such a huge problem. I mean, how, how, how now with, with the way that the media is, uh, the way that news is spread over the world instant, instantly, the way that everybody basically is a news reporter now and can get stuff on, on the internet through Twitter and TikTok and whatever. Uh, the world is instantly more or less notified about what's going on everywhere else, right? We can find out. How do you separate being a true follower of Jesus from Christianity? How do you make that, you know, how, how do you make that distinction? And I think there's probably only one way, and that is to, to continue to follow Jesus. Well, okay, let's say two ways. Just follow Jesus, right? Follow Jesus. Try, try your best to live the way that he lived in the world, to love whom he loved, uh, and to accept who he accepted. Uh, and the second thing is stop, stop trying to defend the Christian monstrosity. That thing need, needs to be exposed, and it, it frankly needs to die. Um, because that's not true Christianity anyway. It's not the following of the Christ. It's not that at all. Not even a little bit. Um, so I suppose in a sense, uh, maybe we should be glad that we can now make that distinction. That these days it's pretty simple to see the difference between true Christianity and Jesus, that even atheists are seeing this discrepancy. Um, it's 
suppose we could be happy with that. You know, um, maybe that'll set us up for a truer walk of faith in the future. That can't be bad, right? Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Such a weird thing. I tell you, I tell you. But it looks like the end of this month, we're going to get to have a, another discussion uh, with uh, some atheists and some believers on Zoom again. And so I'll, I'll really try uh, to plan ahead to record that so that we can put this on the podcast and hopefully I'll get permission from everybody. Yeah, that'd be good. That would be good. Yeah, actually, I can't think of anything else to add to this right now. I feel like I've been harping on this same uh, this same thing for a long time. I said for a while that my my uh, my hope is that through my ex- exploring, through my exploration of these ideas that. Uh, I'm able to shake a few, you know, a few low-hanging fruits from the tree, from this tree of uh, nationalism uh, and nationalized religion, right? That they may be free from that. They may be free from Babylon, as I feel I am, uh, at least more, more than I used to be, uh, and then can start to see and experience Christ in His fullness. Because Christ is way better than you ever dreamed or imagined he could be. He is the God that you want and the God that you need. Um, he, he shores up all of those things, uh, all of those broken promises that religion never, never made good on. Uh, he, he, he answers all those and more. Not, not in a superficial or, or you know, kind of a, a false or fake way, but, but in a deep, in a true, uh, in a deep, true sense, he shows up and, and is all that you ever wanted him to be and really more than you can ever imagine. Uh, I'm continually impressed on who I find this Jesus to be. Uh, and he's so, so much different than the Jesus I was taught through most of my life. Maybe the Jesus I perceived as much as taught, but anyway, your teaching happens on all different kinds of levels, not just uh, in classes uh, by teachers, but, but just the way that you perceive other people understand these things uh, who are who are older than you, right? Who are supposedly farther along than you in the faith. Um, yeah. Yep. Well, should be an exciting July. Um, looking forward to getting out of college classes here in about three weeks. 
and getting on to summer vacation and I still don't know what summer vacation is going to hold for me I guess we'll see hopefully we'll get vaccinated here pretty soon my city's kind of slow on all this stuff which is not good but it is what it is all right well I'm gonna let you guys go I know it's a little short today but uh, I think I've said all I need to so you guys have a good day bye-bye